This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Dave Ramsey of FM Perception joins me today to talk about his newest product, FM Comparison, a companion tool separate from FM Perception. This new diff tool using the new XML and FileMaker can show us all the changes and only those changes between two versions of the same file. Dave talks about the inspiration of this product, gives details about the many use cases that could use FM comparison, and gets into the weeds about what FM comparison shows. This in-beta product can be used today, and Dave welcomes the feedback of the community. Dave brings his experience of analyzing tools to this product to give us a complete way to see all the differences between two files. Hey, Dave, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Jeremy. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. It's a good fall here. Um, revved up after Claris engaged. Did you? I, I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about it, but did you enjoy the new format here at Claris Engage? I did, at least in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I really wish that the um, additional um, uh, presentations had been ready to go during or at least somewhat overlapping with Engage. Mm. Um, I mean, having kind of all of the presentations coming from Claris gave it a good consistent message, but the conversations that start up around the conference based upon people showing off new technologies and things like that Mm. are, and and talking about the sessions they caught and the sessions they haven't caught yet, I think is a really valuable part of the conference. And everybody was watching the same sessions because Mm. at the time, all we had were the Claris ones. Interesting. That's an interesting idea. They, Maybe didn't want to distract from the main focus, but it really limited what we could talk about, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, there's only a few a day that we could see, so. Yeah, just the those things make really great conversation starters, and the more of them we have, the better. Yeah, good so. point. That's a, that's a good idea. Well, um, and, and of course, you weren't able to, um, you know, present in front of a crowd about FM perception. I guess that was, you know, that's, that's kind of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a chance to talk to a lot of people about, about FM perception and FM comparison um, during the engage time? Yeah. The, uh, the auto enter uh, community was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I got to chat with a bunch of different people about all sorts of fun stuff. Claris just released a lessons learned blog post where they, kind of debriefed on on Claris Engage and Auto Enter was mentioned and just the whole, the virtual experience. So I, I'm glad that Auto Enter got uh, mentioned in that because they really liked it. Um, I said hi to, got to say hi to people from Claris and hi to people that I haven't talked to in quite a while. So it was good to have that. Um, well, we are here to talk about, wait, this isn't FM perception. We're talking about FM comparison. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, now, I mean, come on, Dave, for so long, you've been the FM perception guy and now you're the uh, FM perception and FM comparison guy. Um, do you feel like you're spreading yourself too thin here all of a sudden? <laughs> uh, no, because to no? a large extent, I think of FM comparison as a feature of FM perception. It's just a feature that happens to be stored in an independent application. Okay. Interesting. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. I, I kind of saw them as two separate products, but, um, I know that, 
FM comparison comes free with uh, for a licensed user of FM perception, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But they they seemed uh, really different. So let's just get into it. You uh, have been working on FM comparison for quite a while, as I understand. Why did you decide to build this this product this this added uh, this extra product here? Well, the initial motivation was um, the there's a diff tool built into FM perception but it has some issues. Um, it finds the changes, but it's a little bit too much of a can't see the forest for the trees. It will log every single individual little change as a change item. And if you have any substantive quantity of changes, it produces a humongous list, which immediately has to get dumped out and imported into like a FileMaker database so that you can filter through it and figure out what parts you actually care about. And the other issue there is that it, it doesn't group those changes up in any way. So if I take a layout object and move it three pixels in one direction and then change the conditional formatting and then change the hide condition, those are three entirely different changes that get logged as three separate items. And so it just creates a lot of noise that you have to filter through. It was fine for when I released it, but once it got into the wild and users started using it, it became clear where its limitations were. So that's when I said I need to build something new. And I'd gotten pretty far along that process, building a very complicated system that was directly integrated into FM perception, right about when Claris said we're making new XML that's more complete. I have a ton of questions, but first, I, yeah. I guess I, I missed the first one. What is FM comparison? What What is it built for? What does it do? Sure. So FM comparison is a tool for finding what changed between two different versions of your FileMaker database. So at, at, at its simplest level, what has changed in the last X period of time? So, so you said, okay, so it, it only finds the changes that you've made between two files of the same, the same app, just two different versions of it. One, um, you know, developed last week and one worked on today. It can, it can spot the differences between all two, all, both of those files. But you mentioned that this was part of FM perception and you kind of thought it was too much like FM perception, just, um, it, it didn't, you said it didn't group the changes um, and it didn't, uh, it just, there was a lot of extra stuff around this one small little analysis. So, so you decided to separate it. Are you going to take this out of FM perception and keep it just in FM comparison? Um, I don't know if I'm going to kill off the old feature or not. I know that some people have built, some developers have built fairly significant tooling around the output from FM Perceptions diff. I think eventually it'll get end of life, but that's not on the agenda anytime soon. I think it'll probably get killed off when we end up with a shiny new version of FM Perception that's rebuilt from the ground up and just that part won't get built at all. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. All right. Because you've built FM Comparison to be as I understand, simpler and actually better organized 
and better, um, actually have more performance, more more features than the diff tool in FM comparison. Right. Okay. okay. So it it, uh, it groups up the changes to an item. So if 30 different properties on a field changed, FM comparison just calls that this field changed. And ah. you click on that field, and then it'll itemize all the different changes that occurred for that field. But you just see it as one changed object. Oh, that's interesting. I see. So so a field could get changed many different times and in, in, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, if, if that field, the first name field, was on 10 layouts, and we moved them around each one of those on each layout, FM Perception would spot those changes and list all of those and just have 10 different, you know, records or entries or rows for that same field's changes, right? Mm-hmm. But FM comparison can group those all and say, this field changed, and here are all the places that it changed. Um, so the specific example of fields on layouts okay. it is a little goofy because that's not a change to the field. That's a change to the layout object. Ah, I see. Okay. So instead, let's say that when I changed how this uh, value list worked, it meant yeah. that every single layout that I used that on needed to get pointed to a new value list, and then um, the field had to be wider to support all the possible values. And so that's a, a drop-down change and a size change on 30 different fields layout objects throughout your system okay. and FM uh, FM perception would call that 60 different changes. Okay. Okay. Um, FM comparison says, well, when you're looking at the layouts, these 30 fields changed. You mentioned that you wanted to separate this out, but is diffing a, a, um, an important part of our analysis? Is it, is it, was it worth building another, a whole other product for? Uh, I'm not asking, I'm not challenging, <laughs> I'm not challenging the, the product. I'm just asking like, is diffing so important that you needed a separate product for this? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are a lot of use cases that um, FM comparison can help with. And there are things that for the most part, we, we, we currently operate off of memory or taking notes someplace or something like that in the same way that we kind of did, you know, prior to FM perception. But, um, but it's, it's really nice to be able to get something comprehensive that tells you what changed. So when you're generating change logs, I'm releasing, we're using auto to push a new version to the users. I would like to send an email to the users that tells them what changed. Oh, interesting. Now, some of those things may be very, very small, and I don't want to tell them about it. We moved this field over two pixels. I don't need to tell (laughs) people. It's fine. Um, We added five new fields to this layout. Well, that's something that I'd like to log for them. But do I remember when I'm doing the auto push every single change that I made? We've got users who are talking about uh, chasing down mistaken edits. Or while they were just moving through the system, they accidentally edited a layout, and they had autosave layout changes turned on. 
And so there's a change to the layout they didn't intend to make. How are you going to capture that? Okay. Um, there's whodunits. So sometime between yesterday and today, this report function stopped working. What changed in the last 24 hours to, that comes anywhere near this report so that I can tell what changed and who did it? There are vertical application developers that do custom modifications to different versions of their system for specific customers. So they've got version one, and then they've got version one for customer A, version one for customer B, and version one for customer C. Well, now it's a year later and you've got version two. You'd like to deploy version two to all of those users, but you first need to identify all the things that happened in the last year to each customer's custom version, and then apply those changes to your 2.0 version so that you now have 2.0 for customer A, 2.0 for customer B, and 2.0 for customer C. Um, there's auditing edits by subcontractors and junior devs. The subcontractor showed up, they were here for 48 hours, and they left and said they fixed some stuff. What did they do? Mm -hmm. um, what has changed in this particular system that Bob is in charge of? Bob, my you know, theoretical junior dev. What have they done on this thing in the last week? How, how difficult is it to find that with existing tools? Um, and then working with a team or working in shifts. You know, if you're in the kind of group that has multiple people working on the same system at the same time, I left for the weekend, somebody else stayed in and continued working on the system on Saturday and Sunday. I come in on Monday and I want to know if anything has changed while I wasn't looking at the system. And if so, what was it? Like all of these things are good use cases for being able to quickly generate a comparison between two versions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've, you've identified a lot of use cases that FM comparison can um, be a part of or, you know, solve. You've identified some, some good workflows. FM comparison in your head is not really done, you know, in the middle of development, it seems to me, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but FM perception is the, you know, the real-time intelligence tool, right? Mm -hmm. You're using it on the fly to check for a certain field in a certain place, but FM comparison seems to be not used in the middle of development, but at like normal breaking points in getting work done before you start some work. Is that how you see it? Or, or is there a way to use it mid-development as well? Again, some of those use cases are very mid-development. Mid-development. Um, but I, I think you're going to use it less often than you use FM Perception. I mean, the, the people who use FM Perception heavily are updating it three, four, five times a day. And there's probably not a really good reason to do that with FM Comparison. But I could see it being run once or twice a day. Okay. I, I know developers who at the end of the day send their boss an update of what they accomplished that day. And there's help desk tickets that were closed and things like that. But if you didn't finish a help desk ticket, how do I clearly communicate what I accomplished? Interesting. Okay. Okay. So those are more, those are mid development, but it still feels after you have done work for the day, right? After you finished it's, there's definite time periods when you would run this, when you are going to switch to another project, you may mm -hmm. want to 
run a status report, a, uh, a save a copy as XML to just freeze the development in a certain state? I, I think that you could use it more often if you are in one of those use cases like working with a team. Yes. Um, so there are other people developing while I'm developing. I have a pretty good idea of what I changed in the first four hours of the day, but I'm back from lunch. Let me take a quick look at what changed in the first four hours of the day and go, that was me, that was them, that was them, that was me. Okay, now I see where everything has moved. Now I'm ready to pick everything back up and move on with the rest of my day. Or if you're auditing edit, edits by a subcontractor or junior dev. I mean, those meetings happen when they happen. Yep, that's a good point. So FM perception, FM comparison can identify all of the changes by, made by each developer mm-hmm. that's working on this file, right? I, yeah. I'm only, you know, I'm looking at one right now that is just me because I kind of work on my own things. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not part of a, a development team at the moment, but does it, and it, it shows me what I've changed, but I can look in the field section of here and I can see all of the fields that were changed by everybody by the modification username. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Modification username so, and modification account name. And it's always the last, independently. It's always the last change too, right? So yeah, yeah. that's, that's a critical issue is okay. if you are not storing these XML files often enough, mm. What you will find is uh, one of the properties that's on there is the uh, modification count. And it's just a number that counts up every time you save changes to an item. Mm -hmm. And if between one version and the next, the modification count has jumped by five numbers, there were five separate changes made to that thing. But I only know what its end state is and who saved a change to it last. And that's that's not a limitation of FM comparison. It's just that the underlying XML correct it only saves the last one, right? Or it sorry, the save as an XML script step identifies every field's last change. It just knows who changed it last. Okay, right. Okay, so it's not it's you can't have a history of it unless you're creating these save as XML save a copy as XML all the time or, you know, multiple times through the day. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be helpful to generate them more often than you think you'll need them. Ah. And then what you can do is you can say, okay, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm curious about this field. And I see that this field changed definition four times during the course of the day. I can then go back and grab one of the earlier ones and do a separate diff for that and say, okay, had it been changed as of noon? No? Okay, what about by 2 o'clock? Okay, now I know exactly when this thing started to be changed. And the first change that I can identify was made by Sarah at 2.35. Okay. Um, I, boy, you're just bringing up a ton of questions. I want to try to <laughs> stay in some sort of... Uh, of, of progress or plan or trajectory, but I may just ask them all around and then we'll see what happens. Are there other diff tools out there for FileMaker? Um, and if so, how is F- FM comparison different than those? To the best of my knowledge, most of the existing DDR analysis tools have some kind of comparison or change tracking. Okay. Um, 
there are limitations there. And it's, it's part of the difficulty is that comparing two chunks of XML is wildly non-trivial. It's a complicated thing. And I haven't sat down and worked with the other tools enough to see exactly where their particular limitations are. Um, okay. There's um, another tool called FMDIF that actually compared the actual copies of FileMaker databases. It didn't run off of XML, but the website for that product hasn't been updated in three years. So I'm not entirely sure how active it is. Um, there's a website called fmversion.com that has a web-based system. So you send your XML to the cloud, they process it and present you with results. I know from doing FM perception support requests that some customers have no interest or no legal ability to send the XML for the system to somebody else. Mm -hmm. They just can't. Um, and the security concerns are actually bigger with the new XML because in theory, eventually we will be able to round trip this XML, i.e. you can spit out the XML and then tell FileMaker to make a new database out of that XML. And in theory, once we have that feature, it should be a perfect copy of the system, including all of the access privileges and accounts. And once that happens, I know that most of the vertical software developers will have no interest in sending their XML to somebody else because that person could reproduce the database trivially. FM Comparison does it all locally. It, the only thing that it chats with the internet about is to check for updates and to handle registration. Aside from that, your data stays on your machine. You also, at that point, if you've got a large system, you don't have to spend the time sending that data someplace else. It's current, it's being developed live, and it's using the new XML, which is, in general, more complete than the old XML. I've heard you say that the new XML covers 99% of a FileMaker file. Has it gone up to 100% yet? Um, boy, that's a complicated question. Uh, <laughs> no, there are still some okay. things that are not being captured. Um, there are also some things that are missing if we want to do good, solid FM perception style DDR analysis. Um, so the new XML is itself, to the best of my knowledge, in beta, and it's moving rapidly between versions. So there were substantive changes in the structure of that XML between FileMaker 18 and FileMaker 19. And that's part of the reason why at this point, FM comparison requires that the XML be generated by FileMaker 19. I may go back and add 18 support at some point, but A, it's better organized in 19, and B, there's more features there that Modification, timestamp, username, and account name were added for 19. So you're going to get better results and more actionable results from XML generated from 19. You know, I, I'm, I'm really jumping all over, but mm -hmm. this is really, you, you make me think, this is really a good use case, a good reason to have unique logins for every developer 
who's who's working on the systems. I've worked in systems where we just have a generic login and there is no really there's no conflict if two people are logged in with the same um I think I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I've done this but regardless using this new using fm comparison and the new modification information you really want to have every developer <laughs> logging in with a unique uh set of credentials right well in general you want that to be the case just for security purposes anyway but <laughs> beyond that the fact that filemaker 19 is storing the account name and the username you could have everybody using the same account and have their machines set up to identify them as a different user, and you'd wow. still be able to tell the difference. Right. So it's not, it's not critical for FM comparison, but it would be helpful and just a good idea generally to have everybody have separate administrative accounts. So FM comparison takes two XML files mm-hmm. that you have created for you know, along the, the, the development stage of a, a, a file or a set of files. That's actually interesting. I'll have to ask about separate files in a minute because I don't know. <laughs> but um, so, so FM comparison takes the differences between uh, version A and version B, and it identifies all of the changes made. Um, and to your point about the difference between FM, compar- uh, FM perception, this one, FM comparison actually organizes them. So all of the table changes and the fields changes are in like little groups here. So yeah. FM comparison tells me I'm looking at one now that says I added 23 new fields and I changed 45 fields. This is, um, this is just what it does. It's only showing me what is changed between those two versions, correct? Correct. I'm so it scared me for a minute because I was looking at mine and I I, I go wait there's only five scripts in this, in this <laughs> file what, what happened to the file that I you know but this yeah. is the changed ones only so <laughs> right so this is okay. not a replacement for FM perception yeah it's not intended to be and it would be a poor user experience if you tried to use this and not FM perception or some other tool um, to be a companion to it. Yeah. Yeah. It it focuses you on only that, which you need. You only want to see the changes. You only want to see the additions, the deletions and the changes. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's silly to include anything (laughs) that didn't change. I get that. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) It scared me for a minute. The first time I opened FM comparison and I didn't see all of my (laughs) Where's so, the other 487 scripts? Yeah, yeah, but that's that's interesting. Okay, so the FM comparison is in beta right now, mm-hmm. um, and you've had it out since, I think, Claris Engage, or was it just before Claris Engage that this, you released this? The night before. The night before, okay. Um, what have you heard from people in office hours or through support tickets? What have you heard about FM comparison so far? What, what uh, features are people asking for already? Um, in general, they like it. Uh, in some cases, a lot. <laughs> um, just the ability to do a comparison on a large database pretty quickly on demand is really helpful to some people's processes. And in particular, the kinds of use cases that I already mentioned. 
Um, so far, to the best of my knowledge, I've gotten only one real crash report, which is great. I love having stable software, and stable software in beta is a huge chunk of the challenge. The biggest feature request that I've probably had is the ability to kind of isolate identification of changes to a particular user or to a particular time range. Oh, okay. That's cool. So if you were uh, monitoring the work of a junior dev, you could actually say, only show me changes done by this person. Now, based upon the previous parts of the conversation that we've had about it only traps the last change, this doesn't necessarily get every change that that user made. If I go in after them and change a field definition, I'm now the last editor, and their name doesn't appear on that record anywhere. So that's a, a caveat that would have to be there. And that's on the agenda, though it's probably not going to make version one, because I don't just want to do that. I want to have a, a pretty substantive search function in there. The most interesting part for me is I've seen kind of a, a schisming of the user group. Some people care about every little change. Yeah, They want to know any time this thing was modified, even if the modification timestamp changed, but the item itself didn't. So imagine that I take a layout object, move it one pixel to the right, save the layout, then go back and move the layout object one pixel to the left and save it. The layout hasn't changed at all, but the modification timestamps and counts for the layout and the layout object have changed. Mm -hmm. And some people want to be told about that because they want to know somebody was messing with that layout, even if that's not something that actually has a functional impact on the system. Right. And some users only care about functional changes. Yep. To the point that some of them, this is the smallest group, they don't even care if comments in scripts were added or white space was added or removed. It's not a functional change to the system. Don't tell me about it. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that is in the version one spec is having a detailed set of settings that will allow you to say, this is the level of detail that I want. These are the kinds of things that I care about. And these are the kinds of things that I don't care about. Now show me the results. That's great because a, a tech lead or something, they're not so much interested. Well, I'm going to speak generally, but I know mm -hmm. tech leads who are interested in the actual technical, the scripting of it, the schema. Um, but they're, they're not so concerned about the layouts because either they didn't design the layouts or... Uh, you know, or or they're they're just their focus isn't that. So if they have a way to to filter and just see the functional changes, that will save them mm -hmm. even more time because they won't have to go through all the little drop downs to to check all the changes. You know, yeah. So. Well, and and along with that, the ability to say, okay, at this point, all I care about is fields and scripts. That's okay. all I or fields, table yep. occurrences, and scripts. That's all I care about. Skip the rest of it. Don't bother telling me. You're still gonna you're still gonna import it. It's still gonna be inside the app, so they can go up and and change the preference and see it right away, right? Um, um actually, not. Oh, largely because it's going to be faster if you tell it to ignore things. Ah, okay. So, I if somebody wants to say all I care about right now is field changes. There's, I don't have to look at the scripts at all. Mm -hmm. There's no way for a field to reference a script. 
And so don't tell me about it. And I can, I can just get all of that time back and give the user their results faster. If they then wanted to say, okay, now I do care about scripts, that would be a separate comparison. But it's fast enough that it's not a huge problem. So we we've talked a lot about what it what um, you've mentioned parts that it that FM comparison um, checks the differences and as I'm looking at mine I see almost I see almost everything that FM comparison does or will tell me the the changes in like custom menu sets and custom menu items mm-hmm. uh, I don't see anything in there do you have all of the I I think when we talked last about this you didn't have all of them enabled yet or functional yet? Do you have them all functional now? The only category that's not fully functional is layouts. Okay. So if you look at an edited layout right now, it tops out at saying um, it looks at the layout parts and then Mm -hmm. says uh, kind of has a, a summary thing at the tail end of the layout part that generates a, count of the objects in that layout part and then a hash of those items. So you can at least get a 50,000 foot view of did something change in this layout part or not. One of the other big outstanding 1.0 issues and the very next thing I'm working on is we're going to add a button there so that you can say, okay, show me details about what changed in the contents of this layout. And so that will open a new full screen view kind of overlapping the thing that will isolate just that layout and what changes happen there. For those people who are interested in that. <laughs> right. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. There are some people who don't care. There yeah. are some people whose process is um, something changed on the layout, copy the whole thing and paste it. Yeah. And that's how I migrate changes if I'm doing that kind of thing. But the details are are irrelevant. And so for that, they can look at the 50,000 foot or they can drill in and get lots and lots of detail about what changed on that layout. What does this not tell me the difference of? Is there anything in a FileMaker file that this does not track? Security things, I I don't see. I see accounts and I, I don't know what it looks like exactly. Does it tell you that passwords were changed or that you just added accounts? Does it tell you that you changed privilege sets in for an account? Yes. Okay. So uh, first, passwords are a little weird. The passwords that come into this XML have been hashed. Okay. And I'm still not 100% sure what causes that hash to change. Um, so I have systems where an account will flag as having its password changed, but nobody actually changed it. It's just that when FileMaker exported the new version, it changed the hash for security reasons. Again, I'm not exactly sure why that happens yet. Part of the difficulty here is that there's no documentation whatsoever for the new XML. Hmm. So figuring out how all these pieces fit together is a little exciting. Um, But yes, it will tell you about the changes to that account. There's a couple of weird structural things there. So for example, accounts are tied to privilege sets, but we have a tendency to think of this privilege set has these extended privileges. And in FileMaker terms, as far as the XML is concerned, it's the extended privileges that have privilege sets. So you don't look at, if I, if I add an extended privilege to a privilege set, 
the privilege set is never modified. Nothing in the XML for the privilege set has changed. The XML for the extended privilege that you added it to changed. Okay, so you so there is some stuff, and I, I really need to get a um, a file that's changed a lot to see everything. But this this FM comparison tracks every change made in the system. It gives me the last change as well as how many modifications that mm -hmm. item has had. Okay, that's good. That's good I, to know. Another big thing that FM comparison does to simplify this is if you're looking at that UI, there are categories that are named organization. Okay. Oh, and the organization categories are specifically there to deal with a particular concern that people had from FM perception. And that was that if I have a hundred scripts and I make a new script and put it at the very top of the list, the order of all the other scripts has technically changed. They've, you know, the first script went from position one to position two. The second script went from position two to position three. How do I communicate this to users in a meaningful way? And the other thing that's funky here is that some people don't care about script organization. Mm -hmm. As long as the script is there and it's connected to the right stuff, that's all yeah. I care about. Is it in yeah. the list at all? And so I took all of these kind of organizational things and pulled them out into their own categories. So when you're looking at a list of edited scripts, that's scripts whose content has changed. The definition of the thing has changed. It's been adjusted. But anything that has to do with script reordering is completely isolated to the script organization category. Nice. Okay. So if you don't care about organization, you can ignore it. But if you do care about organization, the organization view just shows you organization. It's not dirtying that display up by saying, oh, by the way, this one also got renamed. <laughs> oh, by the way, the contents of this one changed. When you're on organization, all you care about is organization. And when you're not on organization, you don't have to see any of that change information. I fear some people are going to take this organization and just go crazy with it and be like, Jeremy, why did you move that script into that folder? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and again, there are people that care about that very much yeah. and people who do not. Yeah. <laughs> um, another fun one is the just below table occurrences is the table occurrences organization one that based upon the data that's in that new XML, I can actually redraw both table occurrence graphs side by side and highlight where positional changes have happened. What? That's crazy. It's pretty slick. Yeah. You're just, you're opening up a whole can of worms. I must say <laughs> super, super focused on these little changes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that one. That one was brand new in the new beta. So, okay. Okay. No, it's, it's cool. I, I, this is, we're going to talk about this later, but I'm really interested in like perceived workflows, what, what people could do with this time spent on this, really what people should look for and so forth. So we'll get to that in a bit, but I've worked with people who, um, get obsessed by these, these changes, you know, folder changes or <laughs> graph changes. So I want, so I know that they're going to enjoy this greatly. So who, who should actually use FM comparison? I, we've talked a lot about a team of developers mm -hmm. that makes sense to me, team of developers where 
there's a tech lead running the sh- kind of running the app and and that person assigns you know tasks to people and those people get them done but can a single developer use fm comparison <laughs> how does how does she uh, benefit from using fm comparison just by herself don't we don't we kind of remember our changes no uh, we don't absolutely don't okay <laughs> you, you i mean you, you think you do yeah. And you remember them at the kind of 50,000 foot view of sure. these are the features that I added and things like that. But for example, one of the things that is in the new XML that wasn't in the DDR XML is the tab order on the layout. Okay. So oh. if the tab order changed, that's a change that some users are going to care about very much. And if I okay. change the tab order on a layout, I want to make sure that I tell them. Todd was doing something where he was getting ready to release a new version of, I think, LedgerLink and ran a comparison and found out that he had added a field that he didn't remember adding. <laughs> it was something that just got dropped there by a copy paste or something like that. And being able to, to see, wait a second, I didn't edit that layout. What happened there? And digging in there and isolating, hey, there's an extra field stuck at the bottom of this layout that I don't remember adding. So that's a change that got made that you just don't remember. So to me, it's a tool for literally anybody who develops FileMaker systems or anybody who manages developers. I know for me one time I had to use FM comparison to check to see which version of a file I should give out to the client. Um, I actually poorly organized it on my hard drive. We didn't actually, we weren't hosting this on the server, on their server yet. And so I had two copies. One said like, um, you know, file name underscore template. And one said uh, file name underscore start. And I, I looked at it a week later and I said, oh my gosh, which one do I give to the clients? I don't quite remember because I was kind of in both of them and, you know, uh, my my finder window told me that I changed them both pretty recently or pretty close together. So I had to use FM comparison to say, did I put this script? Which which file has this script in it? <laughs> if, if you heard me typing right then, that was because I was writing that one down because that's gorgeous. I've made oh, okay. the same mistake. Um, I hadn't even thought of it as, you know, really which of these two files has the latest changes. Yeah, And you could either compare the base older version to both of those in two separate windows, or you could compare them to each other and see which one has the latest changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also the ability to reverse the order that you hand the files to FM comparison so that the more recent one is treated as the old one. And the older one is treated as the new one. And what it basically does is give you a map for rolling back changes. So I was working on a FileMaker system. I didn't store a copy at the right point. And now I have a bunch of changes that I realized I don't need. So I want to roll those changes back. I can reverse the flow and say, please show me what things I should remove to make this file look and act like yeah. this other version. Yeah, that's that's what I had to, <laughs> I think I had to do because both ugh, it was just my lack of attention, mm -hmm. you know, my, my future self and my past self sometimes don't get along and mm -hmm. they 
they kind of mess with each other. So I had to look and see, okay, well, both of these have some changes. So I need to actually take the changes out of one of them and copy it into the, into the other one. It doesn't matter which way I go, mm -hmm. <laughs> as long as they both have, you know, when the next time I open up the, the XML from both in FM comparison, there's absolutely no changes made. I know that I have everything synced back up. Yep. So <laughs> you should, you should put a nice, you know, splash a nice congratulations. You have no <laughs> if they open up two XMLs that are, are the same, that are all synced up perfectly. So um, anyway, for me, that was, it was FM comparison was useful, but you know, of course I, tried to figure out a better <laughs> management system for files. So, okay, so a single person can use it for their past self, their uh, future self, and when they're like me and poorly organized files um, and forget which one had which changes in it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, that's that's good. So the metadata, we, we, we've talked about that. The, the metadata that's on each item in the XML that's new in FileMaker 19, correct? Kind of. Okay. So in FileMaker 18, they added the they added some UUIDs. And the UUIDs are awesome because they make it easier to say so if I copy and paste a field from one system to another and then I rename the field the field's ID is different and the field's um, name is different. And so connecting that across versions is tough. Eventually we're theoretically going to have the ability to move those things over and still maintain those UUIDs, at least I hope. Um, but the UUIDs make it much easier to associate things that have changed dramatically, but still say, but, Regardless of how big these changes are, these two things are still the exact same object. Yeah. And so connect them rather than showing it as the old field got deleted and the new field got created to connect them and say, nope, same field. It's an edit. Mm -hmm. um, so the UUID got added in 18. And technically, the modification count has existed for a long time. We just haven't had access to it. So that's a little funky. In 19 we got the additional metadata. So the modification username, account name, and timestamp. If you are, for example, uh, working in a system where all of the developers are developing in 18, and you come in in 19 to export the XML so that you can use it with FM comparison, you will have UUIDs and you will have modification counts, but you won't have the username, account name, and timestamp on the changes. Whereas if your developers are in 19, you'll get all those additional fields as well. Okay, so so people have to be developing in 19 to get that extra metadata, the um, modification user, um, and what was the other one? Uh, Username, account name, and timestamp. Okay, got it. Okay. The UUID did exist, and it does exist in 18, so does the modification count. Is You said it wasn't available in FileMaker 18, but it is now. So even if they're developing in 18, the modification count goes up. Is that correct? Correct. As a matter of fact, the modification yeah. count goes up if you're editing in 16 oh, or 15. Okay. Okay. Um, when, you, when you do a new export from a system that's been in development for a long time, you will find some modification counts that are very large. 
even on the first full export with 19. This is why uh, back when we when FileMaker 19 came out, you and I talked about FM perception, new features. You mentioned that we should all run a save a copy as XML and just discard it. Is that activating this new stuff? So the UUIDs were the big piece. Okay. Is to start tracking those UUIDs as early as possible. And then it'll also, it will set the modification username, account name, and timestamp to the time when you made that export. It's not helpful to continue making changes in 18 and then come along at the last second and do your export in 19. Because on that first export, all those modifica- all that modification data is set to the moment when you do the export. Okay. And so it will help if you can start the clock on those changes as soon as humanly possible, even if you're not going to do anything with that data. But that was all in preparation for FM comparison being released. Like, do that early so that when FM comparison comes out, you'll have better change data for the things that have actually changed. But a new FileMaker file started in FileMaker 19 will have this running automatically, right? That's actually an interesting question. I don't know if I tested that exact case. Um, I would assume so because, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to test that. There are, unfortunately, when you start testing weird, I mean, that, that particular use case isn't all that weird, but all the different variants of how you can make a file, edit a file in various versions, then do the export in various versions, it actually gets very complicated very quickly. And mm-hmm. testing all of them and knowing definitively how every single variant works would take quite a bit of time. All right, so I'm interested in a workflow kind of thing with this, and and I, I I just have some specific some specific questions. We've well, that's the point of this podcast, right? Is to <laughs> ask questions. Okay, so let's let's think of this. Let's kind of conjure up a, a development team where they have there's a tech lead and maybe you know three developers that are working under the tech lead. You know, each of the developers has assigned tasks during a particular sprint, and they are each of them is working to get uh, work done. Uh, in in this scenario, to me, the uh, tech lead has has kind of started the file, and she has mm-hmm. um, kind of set up. Here's how the schema is going to be. Here's our you know our our organization system. Here's how we're going to do things like create new records, and you know we're, he, she designs basically the the workflows, um, the common patterns for this system. Someone else may have uh, worked on the layouts and the the colors and the placement of fields and stuff, but the tech lead is you know is focused on that functional stuff. So, you know, <clears throat> help me help me uh, describe for me a scenario from the moment that the tech lead gets finished with uh, setting up the file as she would like it and just getting the basic structure going, and then you know maybe three sprints, three two-week sprints down the road, what what is what what are people doing with FM comparison um, along that timeline? Okay. Um, so a, a little bit on kind of setup. So start generating that save a copy as XML now, just right off the bat, um, so that you, A, make sure you're getting that data, and then save copies of these files to a file server or a version control system or something like that on a regular basis. Um, 
I'm thinking daily. Mm-hmm. Save these into, into little timestamped folders or timestamp the files. The cool part is that unlike the DDR, this is a valid FileMaker 19 script step. So you could set it up to run as an on-close if the user is logged in as an administrator. Every time you close the file, it spits out a copy of this XML, timestamped in a folder on the server so that everybody on the team can have access to every single one of these at any point. Okay. Um, and, you know, maybe you throw them away or clean them out or something like that at some point. But You're, you're suggesting that every time someone closed the file, it reruns the save as XML. Like I said, as a developer, if they're logged as in as an admin. Not as the not as the tech lead so much, but for sure as every every person who's who's adding scripts and fields and layouts to the to the file. Okay. Yeah, and anybody who's editing the database structure itself, not okay. data. Okay. Um, I mean that's that's a possibility. Um, sure. At minimum, what I do is say, let's turn this into a thing that somebody does every night before they leave. Yeah. You know, just a there's a button in the system that they press that says I'm leaving for the day, save a copy out or somebody who does it first thing in the morning when they show up, because that's part of the thing, but having kind of a daily thing that you can roll back to. So you can do a difference between any two days of development would be good. If you're only doing this, when you think of it, it might be a couple of weeks between (laughs) runs and people's changes can stomp on other people's changes so that you don't have access to every bit of information along the way. So I'd say daily is probably optimal, but for some use cases, if you've got a large team and everybody's pounding on this thing heavily, you might do it as much as every couple of hours just uh, to have that there because you can't get it back later. I want to be clear about like at the beginning a suggested uh, timeline. So after the tech lead has kind of set up the basic file, she can run the save as XML right then. Um, because obviously, I mean, she's working on it herself. She's devoting some heads down time to, you know, setting up the structure and, and building the base tables based on, you know, the work that the, the analyst has done. <laughs> if they have, yeah. if they're lucky enough to have that role in, in the team. Um, so she she gets a, the first copy going and say here's the basic here's the first version. Then every day of development, at the end of every day of development, a um, save as XML is run to capture all the changes made in that day. Yeah, and I you know I actually think that would be feasible and reasonable because. Uh, Again, I, I kind of have limited team development experience, but it's not often that you and me, Dave, are touching the exact same scripts mm-hmm. and the exact same fields within a given, you know, dev- work period, work day. Mm-hmm. There may be, but specifically, if a team is set up to work in sprints, they each have their own tickets, and those tickets are in different parts of the system, right? They're not exactly in the same area where you're you're doing uh, your conflicting with each other in the same table or, or in the same script. So it seems reasonable that you could run this every day and then you could see Jeremy's changes. You could see Dave's changes. You could see Todd's changes. Mm-hmm. And that's a reasonable to me, a reasonable it's, it may be unlikely. It may happen once in a while, but we're not going to be affecting the same script within the same 
you know, version period, the same workday. Does that sound reasonable or is that? In general, that sounds perfectly reasonable. Um, the, the Venn diagrams of their changes probably do overlap a little bit. Think about those scripts that control, um, navigation. You know, we may have a centralized navigation script that handles moving from one section of the system to another. If I'm building one interface and you're building a different interface, we might both touch that central script. It's, it's beyond feasible. It's likely at that point. Yeah. So, but you know, once a day is, is a, is a decent granularity. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that one of the things that, Todd's been pushing a lot recently within Geist Interactive is every time they push a new version into the version control system, it's supposed to come with one of these. Hmm. They, they stick it into the version control system so that at any point they can go back to any saved version in Git and get not just the database, but the XML at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so you could pull two versions, do the comparison between those two versions, and you're running. Yeah, I want to ask you about that specifically because what you mentioned is you run your save as XML, save a copy as XML process each day. And then you can always look at the previous days in this one or any two, right? It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be consecutive, but I, I was wondering and kind of hoping and wondering if this is going to be a included feature. Can you like save the results of FM comparison and export it out somehow or freeze it so that you can always open this and you don't have to always rerun a comparison between two XML files. So not yet. Oh, okay. That's, that's on the agenda. It's not for one Oh. Um, so in terms of like saving a report, I want to get more feedback from the community about the kinds of things that they'd like to see in that. And okay. what that output should look like in terms of a save file format, it's generally architected to support that, but okay. it's just there's there's some overhead there. That's one of the areas that ends up being uh, platform specific. Um, unlike FM perception, ninety to ninety five percent of the code for FM comparison is cross platform. Okay. Um, so that should allow me to turn over new versions more quickly. It's also why the Mac and the Windows version were released at the same time, unlike FM Perception that had a delay while we built the Windows version of the application. Yeah, I, I would see that as great because you could then you know freeze it in time and you're not always having to load in the two XMLs. Although I, I, I don't know how long a 20 gigabyte XML takes to process and compare between two 20 gig uh, uh, XMLs, but it seems like we could, it'd be great if we could freeze it and then just, like you said, store this frozen report in a, in somewhere alongside the two XMLs from which this comparison was created. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what people have. So the only good broad sense of sizes that I have is from DDRs and these are (laughs) not, these have the potential of being larger than DDRs. But the largest single DDR file I've ever seen is 550 megabytes. DDR. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Right. Now, one of the things that is in the new XML that isn't in the DDR is any images that are stored in the file. Not so much like stored in a global field, but if you put an icon on a layout 
or if you give the file a file icon, those images are actually in the XML now, and I can show you them side by side as a comparison, which is awesome. Okay. Um, but those could potentially consume, if you had a system that had 50 different high resolution icons in it, that could make a, a larger version of the new XML. Okay, good. So, so yeah, I was mistaken. The XML is going to be significantly smaller than the actual file. Absolutely. <laughs> How um, actually running it and processing it that that will take some time, right? Or, or yes. is that script step pretty fast, no matter the size of the file? Uh, it is definitely dependent upon the size of the file. Okay. Um, it's just the the sheer number of items that it has to a parse through. And then B, link up across. And then once it's done linking them, it then has to compare each of them. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot of multi-threading and things like that wherever I can to make that as quick as possible. Um, in general, the customer response has been, wow, it's fast. Okay. Um, I never think it's fast enough. I always want to make it faster. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have kind of a different view on that. But in general, the users have been saying it's really fast. So okay. that would be the big question is making sure that saving and restoring the file takes less time than actually rerunning the comparison. And because of the quantity of data until I build that code, I won't know for sure. All right. So let's get back to our uh, theoretical dev team. Mm -hmm. They are, um, they are in the middle of the sprint and you suggesting every day they create Save as a copy as a save a copy as XML. They run through that process. They don't necessarily have to do a FM comparison every time, but it's there are always at least two, there are always two um, XMLs to compare to. Right. Um, what do you what would you suggest as a tech lead? What would you suggest would be their frequency in in looking at it at a comparison why would they want to look at a comparison i know you've mentioned it up in a in the kind of the theoretical mm -hmm. use case but as far as a development cycle when the tech lead is busy with her work and such what would you what do you see in your head as her like process for for why would she want to look at uh, two files and compare them when so, so in, in general a at the end of the sprint for sure okay um, just to kind of get a, a larger view of what changed during that time period, all the details so that you can more clearly convey what happened during the sprint. But mm -hmm. also because of multiple developers and things like that, there will be conflicts along the way. I changed this thing, you changed it back because when I changed it, it broke it for you and now you changed it back and we didn't realize that we're bumping into a conflict there. So anytime those conflicts appear, it's going to be helpful to be able to grab something with a 48 to 72 hour spread or something like that. But you may not know what happened when it happened, which is why you want to be generating the XML along the way. You don't necessarily want to wait until the problem occurs to then go, okay, let's export XML now and see what it says. Um, you might want to be, be able to roll back further in time. It's kind of a little time machine for your database. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Or for that matter, you could be doing it during uh, stand-up meetings 
things like that when you're talking about how far this feature is along and things like that. Like my plan said I needed to create 172 fields to support this new feature. There was no way around it. I have created 42 of the 172. But it, it's really going to depend on the team, how they interact, what their communication methods are and how they convey progress to each other and when they have conflicts. The tool doesn't tell you how to use it or when to use it. Mm -hmm. It just surfaces this information quickly for you when you need it. And that's good, but it also, you know, I think people will find their ways, but it's it's nice to get the mm -hmm. brain going, right, and think about that. So there's there's an idea of of development that as long as it works, just move on, right? If I as a developer solve a ticket and it's working just fine, there's no reason to go back and study the the, the changes that I made necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. I, I guess a uh, a tech lead has every right and maybe a duty to do that sometimes if I'm a junior developer. Mm -hmm. But generally, if a ticket is solved, let's just move on to the next one, right? Let's not bother with going and looking at the changes that were that might be tied to that ticket. Right, which is another great use case is for postmortem stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're finished, not just what changed, but let's look at those individual changes and assess whether they were good changes and have a conversation about how we'd like to do things differently in the future, how this sprint might affect the next sprint, things like that. Um, okay, that's, that's a good point. All right, so let's see here. Is there any other time that they would need to do? You mentioned um, um, like code review with people. You could mm -hmm. eventually, if we were able to filter just the changes that I made, we could do a code review. The tech lead could run a code review with with her developers. That's a that's an interesting idea, and as frequently as as teams do that, right? They mm -hmm. some teams may never need to because they're humming along and they're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. um, does does the, this is not really FM comparison? It's just a sort of a development question. Does the high modification count of a of a particular script does that? spell problems <laughs> for development not in not in terms of like we're going to break things but maybe we keep changing our mind about how this is supposed to work is there any like uh, you know if 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 a script is modified 335 times over this <laughs> what does that tell you about that script does it tell you anything well it, first off it might just tell me that this system has been around for a long time Okay. <laughs> um, if it's a 20-year-old system and it's a central script, like one of those navigation scripts, every time we add a new subsystem or a section or even a new layout, the functionality of that navigation script changes subtly, then that's not meaningful. Yeah. Um, if, on the other hand, you've got 300 modifications to a script and the system is six months old, yeah, maybe that's something that somebody should look at. You know, I guess it would be it would be interesting to do a comparison. You mentioned that that FM comparison and and as the underlying XML doesn't track all the changes, but maybe eventually FM comparison you could string like ten XMLs together inside of FM comparison and get a a like like a little timeline of who changed what on what day, who changed this particular field on what day. Um, so. This is 
it's not so much talking out of school. This is way, way, way ahead of of uh, where this becomes something accessible to users. But okay. in my head, that's an FM perception feature. Oh, okay. Where I have isolated a particular script, and now I start using that UUID that FileMaker is tagging to that script in every single version so that I can jump into 10 or 12 previous versions and look to see where that particular script changed. Okay. Even if it wasn't changed in the most recent version. So its most recent change might be six months ago, but I still want to see that change in the three before it. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is is a much more isolated FM perception feature for a future version of FM perception. In FM comparison, it's basically going to stick pretty cleanly to two files. Just to two files, okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's see here. The tech lead is saving it. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any other uh, work to be done with FM comparison in a typical development cycle. Again, I think it would be cool to, you know, if you're using Jira, uh, Atlassian products, or any other tool, even FileMaker as a, as a sprint um, manager, it'd be great to be able to export a report and say, during the two-week time, here's everything that was done. Mm-hmm. And you can see, obviously, in the tickets, just anecdotally that the person has written, yeah, I added this field or whatnot. But a great way to wrap up a sprint would be to, um, yeah, to print out the report from FM comparison and and stuff it in a, a container field or attach it to the sprint and close down the sprint. Absolutely. And, okay. and so the, the big question at this point is, how much detail does that report need? Can it give well, you the, the summary numbers or yeah. does it need to actually itemize in detail all of the changes to the individual items? And if we are saying that those changes are important, do we also need to catch the organization changes mm-hmm. or do we really just care about, even if I care about all the changes normally, do I only care about functional changes when I'm generating the report? Yeah. Like those, those are all weird questions that I don't have the answers to. And unlike previously, I'm going to wait for the user base to tell me rather than spend a bunch of time coding an answer that ends up being completely wrong. Are they starting to tell you? We haven't really gotten into the report discussion yet. Um, We've been digging around in the more detailed features. Um, The, as I mentioned, the relationship organization view is brand new in the latest beta. Um, One of the other things that we just recently added is there's a little purple button in the upper left-hand corner that hides that sidebar Hmm. so that you can have more of your screen, particularly if you're on like a 13-inch laptop. I I want more of the screen for looking at the things that have changed and what's changed about them. I change between categories less often. Yeah. Um, So those kinds of things, big usability stuff and, and things like that. Um, the other big change that happened in the latest beta was support for dark mode. Yeah, I see that. To dark and... <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You know, I, I, I know I can speak to you offline about this, but I would love to see a feature that, that I can signify in my report that which needs to go out to the users. I can, you know, a change document that's useful for the users to read. So I don't have to retype it from FM comparison. Mm-hmm. I can just print out a report that is more user facing versus 
you know, a, a summary of all the changes. So that one's going to be pretty hard. Um, okay. Primarily because think about like adding fields. The one that I'm looking at right now on my screen says 93 fields were added. 25 fields were deleted. Was that all in one feature? Um, I don't usually detail for users that level of change. Sure. I want to okay. tell them that we deleted a bunch of stuff related to this and added a bunch of new things related to this. And this is the screen that you would go to to take a look at that. But they don't care about table level changes or anything in the relationship graph. They mm -hmm. care about how their functionality changed to yeah, me. Good point. Yeah. But giving you tools to help you summarize those changes to make it even easier to get to build that text, I think is is definitely a direction to go. What other features do you want to put in here uh, that you're trying to work on now before the 1.0 release? So the two big ones for the 1.0 release are individual layout diffing uh -huh. and then the, the preferences and settings. So you can build the level of detail to the comparison that you want. Those are the two big ones. Okay. There's a couple of other little ones throughout the way. But once we get those two, we'll probably push it to 1.0. Expand the user base, um, because I know some people just don't want to touch a beta. And also at that point, then it will be something that people who are doing an FM perception trial could also trial FM comparison. Okay. While it's in beta, I don't want trial users of FM Perception to make their decision on whether to buy FM Perception or not on a particular bug that they bump into in FM comparison. Uh -huh. So until it's 1.0, it's I don't want it to be part of the math. Do uh, you you mentioned that this is it feels a, a sort of companion product to FM Perception? Do you and I know that it's free right now for people who are. Um, uh, using FM perception, but do you have, do we have any plans, do you know, to uh, release this separately and make it available without FM perception? And the, the obvious follow-up is, could it be used without FM perception? Like I know it can be, but. It is a completely independent app, yep. but I don't currently have any plans to separately license it. Okay. Um, that may happen at some point in the future, but for now it's just kind of part of the FM perception suite the first app that turns it into a suite. Yeah. Um, you can absolutely use it independently. And to a certain degree, its workflow is entirely independent from FM perception. It uses different XML files as part of its process. So using FM perception a lot doesn't make FM comparison easier or vice versa. Okay. They are completely different applications that just happen to be licensed together. My, my biggest concern is if I charged people separately for FM comparison, I don't know how many people would pay. That's not because it's not worth it, but I think that the benefits that they get from using FM comparison are worth trying to get into as many people's hands as possible. One of the important factors of this is that the people who are developing on a file have to be using FileMaker 19 for... FM comparison to be useful in terms of who modified this, the script, a script. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so everybody should be in FileMaker 19 um, to, to, to develop. 
Um, you, you do have the option if you want to, where you can do all of your development in 18. And then just when you go to do the XML export, you could do that from 19. It's not going to get you the username, account name, and timestamp, but everything else will work. Okay. So right. as long as that XML is generated from 19, I don't really care what version you're doing the development in. What have people reported to you in office hours that they are doing with with FM comparison? Obviously, we've talked a lot about the the highlights, the uh, the general ideas, but... Are you getting any more specific, cool um, uses of this and that people are telling you about? Well, and for the most part, that was where I got a lot of the use cases that I mentioned earlier. Um, I do know people who have used it for generating change logs for customers. Um, and I know people who are using it for auditing the work of junior devs. Yep. But... We're just getting rolling. People are going to come up with new use cases. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about seeing this. I kind of wish I did full-time development <laughs> on large teams so I could see this. Um, it, it, it's always good. Like like you said, I think in my, in my time of development with a team, I've looked at changes made to scripts and I've gone, who, is, who has made this? Like, yeah. I don't understand what, who made this and, and why. And I may be able to go back through tickets, but... FM comparison is really going to help me, even as the developer and not the person mm -hmm. in charge of the whole pro project. It's going to help me know who else worked on this script yep. and what changes specifically they made. Because I could run through the script, you know, myself. And since I wrote it, I probably have a good idea of what it's doing. But it, FM comparison will be very helpful for me as a developer to just see what my colleague did to, to the script that I started. Um, I always, I kind of thought that this was a sort of a summary slash evaluate kind of tool, but it, I mean, that's one part of the, that's one use of it. It's really for developers to see what changes were made by anybody, even my past self. Um, so mm -hmm. it's good to, it's good to have. And I'm excited for, for people to use this. I really, I really wish that you would take out the, the white space changes. This doesn't track all the white space changes, does it, in a script? Does it so do that? right now it does. Okay. So, so if you okay. add white space to a script, that is a substantive change uh -huh. under the current rules. Okay. Um, that's what those settings are for as part of the 1.0 is to give you the ability to say, if I added an extra blank line of white space or removed one, don't care. Don't tell me about it. Okay. If nothing else changed, ignore it, even if the modification count and username and account name and timestamp changed. That okay. in and of themselves, those changes are not enough to percolate up. Unless I say, I care about every single change, even changes that have been reversed out between the versions. Then just a change to the modification timestamp would be enough to flag it. Okay, I'm looking at one of my changes. It's an import record script step. I'm pretty amazed that you're getting, what, 50 lines of, 60 lines, 70 lines of changes. Not changes, but <laughs> the mapped fields mm -hmm. section of the import records has every single entry that I've made. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's still listing all of them plus the one that I changed. I suppose it's it's not possible to 
eliminate all of the the 50 source fields that I didn't change and just show me the one field that I changed. So it is theoretically possible. That's actually one of those weird questions that we had to juggle. Um, One of the features that's coming in that's one of the smaller ones is the ability to say, when I'm looking at this big pile of stuff, only show me the individual things that have changed. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so not just when I'm looking at an individual item, like on this script, what changed? Yeah. But even when doing that, I find that when looking at script steps, just showing me that this piece of this script step changed mm-hmm. isn't enough to provide enough context. Yeah, good point. But even if I said hide the changes, I'm still probably going to display every script step just so you can see everything in context. There are other spots where, like, in the options section, if all I changed was to make the Siri shortcut visible, then that's the only piece I want to see there. The other properties, I don't need to have their values listed because there were no changes. That makes sense to me. But hiding 95% of the script steps because I edited two script steps, I'm not sure that that's useful, but I'd be very interested in getting your input on that topic. Actually, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I like to see all of it, including the one option that I changed, right? So right. because it's not a script step is not it's not it's options, but the options make the entire script step work as I want it to work. So it would be I think it would be silly to remove the unchanged options. Um, yeah. Okay. I can see that. So yeah. here's, here's a fun one that we went back and forth on in a couple of online discussions was one of the things that's in the new XML is where breakpoints are on script steps. <laughs> I saw that in here. Yeah. So okay. if I add a breakpoint or remove a breakpoint, is that a change that I want to be notified about? Somebody was in that script. They modified the, they, they edited something and saved their changes is but the functionality of the script or even the structure of the script wasn't changed at all. Is that something that I care about? Is that something that I care about ever? And if it is something that I care about, is it something that I care about always or just sometimes? Which means it ends up in the settings. Yeah. Um, the general consensus that we came to was, I certainly don't need it flagged on the lines. And so I kind of grouped those up into, a, into an options item that just says breakpoint lines and I comma delimit a list of the lines that have breakpoints. So if breakpoints changed, it'll be flagged there, but doesn't doesn't dirty up the display of the script step itself with those changes. Okay, very good. Well, um, we have discussed FM comparison for quite some time now. We didn't get to three hours. Are you disappointed? Should we go another hour and a half here? Or do you think we got it covered for now? <laughs> I, I'm game if you are. I've got lots more to talk about. Okay, well, tell me. I can't do three hours, but what else should we talk about here? What did I miss? Um, We kind of, right at the very beginning, we started into kind of the, what was I trying to accomplish with FM comparison, and then just started running. Okay. Um, The first thing was tackling the issues with FM perceptions diff capability. Yeah. The second thing was, there's this new XML. And I really wanted to spend some time working with that new XML to feel my way through it before trying to do something the size of FM perception. Because as as complicated as FM comparison is, 
it's nowhere near as complicated as FM perception. So before tackling FM perception for the new XML, I wanted to get a little bit more experience playing with it. And then there's also the fact that this is an entirely new tech stack. So FM perception was written from the ground up in Swift on Mac and from the ground up in Windows in C Sharp. And that slows down changes because they're in two completely different languages. So I've gotten really good at converting Swift code into C Sharp code, and I can do it fairly quickly, but it's still not the same as just having that stuff carry over. (laughs) And so in the new architecture, all the kind of back-end, heavy-duty, number-crunching, XML-parsing stuff happens in .NET Core, which is a Microsoft platform specifically designed to be cross-platform. So it's C-sharp, but um, runs basically the same in Windows, Mac OS, theoretically iOS, Android. It's a very, very cross-platform, but yet heavy-duty, down-towards-the-metal performance tool. What it doesn't have is really good UI stuff, and I certainly couldn't get the kind of UI flexibility that I wanted. FM perception is a little rigid in its UI. Sometimes that's really nice, but sometimes I really wanted to step out of that rigidity and do something more flexible, and it just isn't really geared for that. And so in FM comparison, this whole UI is done in JavaScript with Vue. And so all of the stuff you're seeing is Vue and Tailwind and a couple of other NPM modules to make all of this functionality work. And so the entire UI is basically cross-platform and the entire backend is basically cross-platform. The only part that isn't is the part kind of in the middle, the part that binds the two together, the window Chrome and how menus work and exactly what I have to do to export a file or something like that. That stuff isn't cross-platform, but everything else is. And so it's actually one, it's two giant projects, one for the UI and one for the .NET native stuff. So I get fantastic performance with uh, really flexible UI capabilities. And that's awesome. So you built FM Comparison because you wanted to play with the new XML. Yes. And you wanted to learn Vue and Tailwind and, and some more JavaScript, right? Yeah. And, well, and to make sure that it would make a viable solution. It was always possible that at the tail end of FM Comparison, I would say, this is fine for FM Comparison, but this is not going to work for something more complicated. Mm-hmm. That isn't the result that I came to. I think I've got a good, solid set of technologies that are working well together. But at the beginning of the project, that was not a foregone conclusion. Okay. And along the way, make FM perception better. Okay. So three for. Well, so this is sort of a test to see if you can design a whole new app in, in a cross-platform language like JavaScript so that mm-hmm. you can eventually get to rebuilding FM perception. Yes. Okay. And possibly some other tools, but I'm not talking about those. When is that coming out? When is the rebuild? <laughs>
Um, one of the things that I'm waiting for is a for that new XML to stabilize a little bit. Like I said, it had substantive structural changes between 18 and 19. Yeah. We'll wait and see what 19.1, 19.2, maybe even 20 look like before we really get into that. And the second piece there is right now that save a copy as XML menu option and script step run on a single database at a time. Okay. Yeah. And that works okay for FM comparison, but will not work for FM perception. And so I'm waiting to kind of see if Claris is going to provide some guidance or some actual tools for generating this XML from a multi-file solution. Yes. What does that look like? Like when you generate the DDR, it spits out one file per database plus that summary file that's kind of a, just a table of contents for all the files that were in the export. Well, we don't have anything like that for the new XML. Is it coming? Is it going to be left to us to invent one because Claris isn't going to make one? Um, that that uh, uh, question, well, it would end up being critical for a new FM comparison. That's you, you mentioned you can only run this on one database at a time because you have to run it run the script from each of this, the files, right? So right. There isn't, yeah. it, there isn't substantive cross file linking yet. We'll see. You could um, always write a script to go to each file and run each of those, this, you could, you could just run scripts from other files, right. And, mm -hmm. and generate the, but you're right. Then it gets to be confusing. Cause then you have these five, these XMLs going up somewhere seems like that would take a lot of work. That that would actually be an interesting add-on. I wonder if if somehow we could create an add-on that grabs all of your open files and No, no, no. That I mean an add-on would be a great way to do that so that we could just kind of drop the appropriate scripts into each file. What's interesting though is for example when you start running that DDR when you're doing an actual DDR if it runs into other files that it needs, it will export those as well. The DDR, but not the save right. somehow. Okay. So, right. So, so think about that. I have one file open, but in the process of generating that XML, two other files open. Yeah. So you've got to write a process that knows how to catch that. And right now that would require making modifications to every file in the thing. Like I, I want to, a, I want to modify people's files as little as possible. I don't want them to have to do work on their databases just to be able to use these tools. And two, I don't want to make my own if it's going to be completely supplanted by one from Claris. And three, I don't want mine to be different from any other tool developers thing. So what we may end up doing is, you know, me sitting down with uh, Vince and Nick and, and, working out kind of a standard for doing these batch exports if mm -hmm. Claris isn't going to make one so that all, at least if you want to use any of the tools, all of the tools use the same technology to export this data just to make it easier for people to use it and get up to speed and get on board. But once we get there and we figured out what we want to do, doing it in an add-on is a fantastic idea that I hadn't previously considered. That's great. Uh, yeah. I wish that, yeah. And I noticed that this, this script step is not server side, so you can't schedule. It's not server side compatible. 
so you can't schedule this to run overnight and then stuff it somewhere on your server or whatever your server machine so yeah that if, work. yeah it's it's got to be run from a client so if you want to do it as a scheduled thing it's still going to be a robot machine or something like that well i'm interested i think we're, we're good for now how about this we've gone for a little while here but yeah. let's let's do a let's do another one you know in a, in a little while in a couple of weeks as you've continued to develop and as you get closer to 1.0 is that all right yeah yeah, I think in a couple of weeks we'll have that layout stuff and we can talk about that, have you in there, poke at some stuff and okay. uh, and talk about that. I mean, gosh, with, with any luck, within a couple of weeks, I'll be ready for 1.0, which oh. would make another great episode. Okay, let's do um, that. Let's do that. So we can talk about plans for 1.1 and 2.0 and... Well, Dave, uh, this has been a great conversation about FM comparison. It's It's a simple tool much simpler than FM perception, but it yeah. has so much data in there that so much information in there that tells me, you know, one specific thing. And I, I appreciate that. It's like you, maybe, I don't know, maybe at some point you're going to, instead of having one FM perception, you're going to have 20 separate apps that do <laughs> one thing each. Is that, I, is that what we're leading to? Is that what you're telling me here? <laughs> I, I would be lying if I said I hadn't considered it but then discarded that idea because it's a bad idea. Um, I do have ideas for some other tools that I want to make that are in this vein, but have very tiny quantities of overlap with either of the existing applications. Well, the, um, the analysis tools ideas never end. So I'm looking oh, forward to it. It's completely <laughs> bottomless. We really need a theme analyzer. We really, <laughs> we just need, yeah, there's, there's a lot that we need. So, all right, Dave. Well, thank you. I'm going to let you get back to working. Cause I, I hear that that's kind of just what you do all the time. Um, you have Whatever I can. for it now, right. And you're a team of one person, right? So, well, the uh, FM comparison was a team effort. Oh, um, okay. I brought on, if you ever listened to, um, the project update podcast that I do with Joe Simpson, Joe has been uh, assisting basically he's, he's built the entire UI. Oh, so all that JavaScript stuff. Like I, I know where it is and how it's all fit together, but Joe's the one who built it and styled it and was going through and, and being very meticulous about picking complementary colors and things that all work together. And if you could compare this with my last version of a view UI that I had made a year and a half ago, it's night and day. This is just a dramatically better looking piece of software because of Joe Simpson's assistance. So, so yeah. So what is your podcast? I forgotten about it. I need to get back to it and listen to it. Tell us about that a little bit more quickly here. Uh, you can find the podcast at project-update.com. Um, and Joe and I have just been talking about the various projects we're working on. Uh, I've mostly been talking about FM comparison for quite a while. Back a while ago, six, eight months ago, Joe started talking about FM comparison a lot as well. Uh, and just digging into just kind of the, the various issues that we're bumping into. Along the way, we talk about other projects that we're working on. Uh, Joe's been playing a lot with uh, web and JavaScript-based VR and AR development. 
Um, he's also done some iOS development on an app that he built, I think largely for his own use, but made it available to everybody else. And so we're just kind of talking about the various nerdy development sorts of things that we're doing. That's That sounds wonderful. Um, I will be sure and get to listen to that. I'll link to it in our podcast so uh, everybody can go over there and listen to it as well. So thank you, uh, Dave. As FM Comparison 1.0 gets out, uh, you can come back on and talk to us about all the latest and greatest features. Okay? I am looking forward to it. <laughs> all right. Now get back to work. So. Thank you. <laughs> I will. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Dave Ramsey for his time in talking about FM Comparison. Dave could talk for more hours about FM Comparison, the tool and its uses. So we'll talk with him again. You can find Dave through the Geist Interactive site by emailing us at support at geistinteractive.com. He's also on Twitter at DesignDB. Also remember there's office hours every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Dave will gladly talk about FM perception and FM comparison with you. If you're so inclined, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate the feedback through that or through email. Until next week, remember the Context Podcast is king.